Welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Welcome to the Recovery Academic Podcast. I'm Clady, and I'm here with Amanda and Ian. And today's episode, we're talking about leaving the the community, the scientific community, and redefining your identity as uh, a scientist, but not in the lab anymore. How how do you feel uh, being around that many scientists and not being in academia anymore? Uh, so I guess that I'll pass the ball to Amanda because... I guess that she was the one who had feelings about this. <laughs> so, yeah, this was the hardest part for me for making a decision to leave um, academia or not pursue that R1 tenure track position because I felt like if I left academia, then I wouldn't have a community anymore. Like, this is what I knew. Um, these were my friends. Like I got to know people. I started, um, blogging online in 2007 Hmm. and that's when I met a whole bunch of people. And then when Twitter started to become more popular, you know, I got on Twitter and everybody I knew were talking about, you know, was part of science academia or were, you know, graduate students and postdocs. So it became a thing of, okay, if I'm not in academia anymore, like, what do I talk to people about? Like, I can't commiserate with you guys about syllabuses anymore or, you know, working on grant deadlines or that sort of thing. And a lot of things that they talked about didn't apply to me anymore. And it just kind of felt like this alienating experience almost. Like, it wasn't like people were mean. It was just, there was this void. Yeah, but it's funny that you... (laughs) said that you started feeling uh, you were thinking about it before you left academia Mm -hmm. and and I don't know I think that for me I I started um in real life I do have several friends that are outside academia from town so um that was okay. I, I knew that I could talk about something else. I had people to talk about something else other than academia. Uh, but I never really thought about it uh, before I left. It was just after I left, and specifically on Twitter, because on Twitter, I was kind of like you. I started, I had an in real life account, and then I thought that Every time that I was going to tweet something, I will think about it a gazillion times. So that's why I just created a pseudo account. And, and then I started following a lot of scientists and a lot of scientists follow me back. And all I wanted, all I talked was about uh, academia. And, and so after, whenever I 
it was after I moved, I transitioned out of academia and I have this new job. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had nothing to say or not really nothing to say, but I, I thought that people would not be interested in what I had to say. So yeah, I spent a while kind of quiet, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely get that because like it is so much. And also there is this whole question of my identity, like so much of my life I had spent being a scientist or being wrapped up in a science as being a scientist. Like if I left academia, was I still a scientist? Like, could I still comment on things on issues with like the NIH or talk about my time in the lab or commiserate with people if I wasn't actually there doing the stuff? So that's why I ended up thinking about it before I left as opposed to after. Right. And I guess I've got, I mean, I can add my take to this because since I'm still in technically and trying to leave, it's like, I, I am having a hard time with it. And I think some of it depends on how much, to the degree you drunk the Kool-Aid of academia and felt like a monk inside this ivory tower and how much you isolated yourself as to how much this is going to be a problem for you. And like, for me, like I was, you know, very much isolated, very much within academia, very much still am. Like I'm still pretty integrated into the plant science community because, you know, I started blogging about it and um, like I do stuff with, you know, the ASPB and like, if I can stay within my community, like and have a job that's science adjacent, mm -hmm. like I will take it. But uh, cause like, I think that would be ideal because i get to have the best of both worlds and like because like a lot of like editors who are you know at academic journals um they still consider themselves scientists like most of them have phds and are from academia themselves and you know like mary williams is one who i know who's in the plant science world and like she left a faculty position to be a you know an editor at the plant cell and like she's like yeah i'm a scientist still and like yeah, I mean, she is, and she writes about plant science and teaches and does all sorts of stuff to help the scientific community and, you know, move it forward. But, yeah. Yeah, I guess that in this in this case, uh, if you're going to be like a science writer, even though you're not actually doing the science with your own hands, you're still communicating the science uh to the community so right but see here's the thing though like because this brings to the, the other side of it where like it is still terrifying to me leaving and i'm gonna have a hard time i think recalibrating my identity because like even if i am writing about science for my career which still uncertain like again it's unclear to me like i've been in the ivory tower for so long like you know this is where like you know this is why the Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies and because, like, it works for <laughs> academia. Like there's this notion of like, well, can I make it on the outside? And like, who's going to want me to do anything else? And, you know, like I think, yeah, like, but yes, you can. I've not proven that really. I, I mean, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't have full time employment, like beyond the ivory tower yet. So, it, so, but like, but see, so, yeah, so there is this notion of, like, well, can I do this? And, like, I mean, I guess, you know, like, I was just having dinner tonight and rattling off a little bit of the few of the things I've been involved in doing. And I was like, wow. And I just sent a cover letter and resume to a job where I'm like, wow, I've been doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how big they really are, but, like, I take them seriously. And, like, I think they're, you know, like, I'm proud of the work that I've done. And, like, I hope that I've helped a few people. And, 
you know, but yeah, there's this whole thing of like, can I make it on the outside? And like, do I, what is my identity on the outside? Like, that's even more to the point. Cause like, I don't know that answer yet. And I won't know that answer until I'm there. Yes. And yes, exactly. It's very hard to know what that's going to look like. Like I can have my ideas about it that I'm not trying to be super romantic about. And, you know, like, I mean, yes. Do I hope like Zaywatch Neho exists? Like, you know, the blue Pacific ocean and, you know, <laughs> Um, Tim Robbins is there for some reason. Sure. Uh, that would be amazing. But right, Andrew Dufresne, I guess I should keep it within the actual movie universe. Um, but yeah, so sure. But like, is that realistic at all? Like, no, not really. Uh, but, you know, it, there, I, I, I no longer feel that hopeless about it. Like I did a couple years ago when I first was deciding like, you know, like I need to get out of academia, but I have no idea how, and this seems like an impossible task. Yes. But I don't have like a rosy view that it's all going to be okay either. <laughs> um, it's going to be like, you know, it's sort of, I don't know what it's like. I, I mean, I don't know. Like it's feels a bit like swimming against a current or against, you know, into some waves or something. And then there might be calm water on the other side, but I have to make it through that first. Yeah. For me, I mean, it kind of, it felt like, so when I was growing up in the YMCA, there was this really high diving board, Mm -hmm. like super high. I mean, I was six or seven. So it had to, in my mind, it had to be at least, I don't know, 10 stories tall, maybe a thousand feet in the air. Um, it Platform just, or springboard? Yes. Um, springboard. Platform. Okay. Oh, springboard. Okay. Springboard. It, it wasn't that high. Like, I mean, but it felt like it was that high. So, but you would climb and you'd get up to the top and you would screw up your courage and then you jump and you would just hope that the water would still be there when you landed. Like... You were jumping into a pool, but you really hoped that the water was still there. And then you did, and it was felt really awesome afterwards. And that's kind of how I felt about leaving academia. Like, I had to climb. I had to think about it. I climbed up all the way to the top. I got up there, screwed up my courage, and then jumped. And, and the water was still there. And the water was still there. Like, the anticipation was worse than the actual doing of it. Okay. At least yeah, that's how I mean, it ended up being for me. Right. I mean, and I hope that too. Like, I don't, I don't know that I would frame it as like, I hope that the water is still there. <laughs> um, I was like, but, you know, I was young. I was six or seven. Like, the yeah, pool could I mean, become drained. But I, I understand. I, I mean, like, because for me, I, I mean, for me, the fear of all that stuff was all, like, it was all the an- anticipation. But it was more, I, I think, the act of actually falling. Yes. Um, and then you know, worrying about how far you're, you are falling and the distance. And because at some point, you know, water is not your friend anymore when you're falling and, you know, it can be like slamming into something solid. Uh, yeah, but we're, about we're it, talking but... about it. We have to have a happy ending. Okay. Ian? <laughs> but it is kind of, but it is kind of a fixed height. Uh, sure. In that case, the distance is not that, that it is a, a huge distance but, but it can seem that way oh yes, it can okay. seem that way like i was pretty I mean? sure that it was gonna t- like i could plummet all it it was a deep it was safe it was a deep pool but like in my head i was thinking like when i would jump off i would be afraid that i would plummet all the way down through the water and hit the very bottom of the pool mm, yeah. yeah that makes sense uh, right 
Or like, I mean, afraid of belly flopping. Yeah. yeah. So, but like, um, but it, it turned out not to turned out not to be that bad, and that was kind of the case for me with leaving. Um, with the aside of one memorable Twitter um, conversation, most people have been still supportive of um, the idea of people still being scientists after leaving um, academia or bench work. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, like, it depends on what you go on to do, but, like, I mean, yeah, you're still, like, you still have that background, and you'll still have those stories from the lab, and, like, you were and are a scientist, and, like, you're not going to lose that style of thinking. Yeah, the thing is, like, you you, you earn your PhD. You cannot be a mm-hmm. former PhD. I mean, you you yeah. got it. It's so kind of like being president. It's like being president, exactly, exactly. We, we are PhDs, and even if we don't work in academia, if we're not doing science, uh, we still we still have our PhDs. So, uh, I was um, I I actually had a I wrote a blog post about that. I think it's called "If You Leave, You Failed." Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we'll have to put that in the show notes. And for me, I think that uh, unlike you, Amanda, I didn't really think, I, I don't think that I had a lot of time to think about mm-hmm. <laughs> how it was going to be if I left because I was kind of like looking for a job and finding out what I wanted to do outside academia. So I was busy doing those things that I didn't really think about it. But then after... I got this new job and then I was in I was having this identity crisis on Twitter that I also think that I wrote a blog post about that. Um, I realized that because now I do sell um, equipment to laboratories at the university and and I have a territory that is all around here and including the university where I used to work. And, and I realized that I started doing visits and meeting professors from other universities and traveling for that. And I was not really going to my own university. I, will I was always ask you about that. Yeah, I was always like, I did, it was not consciously I always would have an excuse in the beginning I was like oh I'm not good enough at my job so there was this that at the university everybody knew me as a postdoc and knowing a lot about my research and the things that I do uh, that I used to do Um, then I move I change fields and I felt like uh, I had a lot to learn and I didn't feel confident about talking to other professors that would know more than me and will ask me questions mm-hmm. that I don't know how to answer. So I felt like people would look at me was like, oh, she uh, she changed jobs and now she doesn't know anything what she's doing, you know? I think that that's kind of yeah. like what I was thinking in the beginning. And then after a couple of months, I thought that I was confident enough, but... The day, the actual day that I did my first campus visit uh, at my local university, I remember that I was very anxious. I was very Mm -hmm. anxious. And and I tweeted about that and someone was like, oh, yeah, because there is this little voice 
in the back of your head saying that if you leave, you failed. And, and yes, and that's what's mm -hmm. tough for me because with other universities, with other people, whenever they know that I have a PhD, they like it and they like to talk to mm -hmm. me because they know that I understand. But being in the university where everybody knows me as a postdoc, it was tough. So, right. I mean, I think like there's like, you know, I mean, there's definitely a mourning process that goes on, right? Into yeah. like you have to like sort of bury your academic identity. And when you start to realize your new one, like, yeah, it doesn't seem as bad anymore, maybe. And like, yeah, I mean, that's what I would say about that. Like, I think there's always going to be like that. I think that you know. in my case, I've been doing that for a year. I cannot mm -hmm. say that I'm an expert, but I know I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Chemistry, I'm, my chemistry was not that good. Now it's way better. And and I was the other day I was talking to uh, two professors, and one of them wanted to make some sort of analysis, and I I knew exactly what he was talking about, and I made some suggestions of. Uh, prep and equipment and and he was very actually he was very surprised because he knew me before and probably he knew that I would never know that have known that <laughs> before and now I know so I I guess that it's just I don't think that you were better or worse you're just different and right. and the way that I don't feel out anymore I Either, neither on Twitter, like on Twitter, I I started uh, tweeting things about my life and my things and sometimes personal, kind of like cursing, whatever. I'm, and, and I guess that everybody wants that every now and once in a while. And, and I just, now I feel confident about my job and, and... I think that it's it's all about like you. In the end, it's more you, your head, and mm -hmm. your vo the voice inside your head. Because I don't think that people actually look at you as you failed or look at right, right. Well, yeah. the real case is that most people aren't thinking about you most of the time. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> yeah. So I and like really? if anyone does give you pushback, really. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to believe sometimes, but so like, yeah, I mean, like this is sort of a joke, but like with Clady's line of work, like it's, you know, like, do you know who got rich in the gold mine thing in the gold rush? Like, it's not the miners who went and got the, or digging up gold. It was the people selling the, you know, the pitchfork mm -hmm. or the, the pickaxes and gear who got rich. Oh, so, so you're I'm selling the equipment to, be, to the scientists to who are seeking rich then who are mining gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You probably do better than a grad student. <laughs> yeah, just gonna guess. But anyway, yeah. So I I do think that like it's also true. Like you know, like literally no one's thinking about it except you. And like, but it is hard to get past your own brain. Like it, it's really hard to get past your own brain. Yeah, my biggest fear was um, telling my um, grad school PI that I was leaving academia because he was always so he's trained I think it's he has like a baker's dozen of graduate students that he's trained throughout his career 
and the vast majority of them have stayed in academia mm-hmm. and I would have I was one of the few that left or that was planning on leaving so my biggest fear was actually telling him that I was leaving and when I went to talk to him um, and tell him he was just like oh that sounds good does that make you happy and I was like I told him yes and he was just like okay then you should do that and I was like nice oh okay like I was worried that I was going to disappoint him or he was going to be upset or try to talk me into staying or something and he was just like no you need to do what makes you happy and this sounds like this makes you happy you know what I thought about it when you were saying like oh I wanted to talk to him and tell him it sounded to me like if if you're if you're gay and you need to talk to your parents <laughs> that you're gay and and then you feel like I guess that is kind of the same feeling. You I was feel coming like out as a non academic. You're going to disappoint them. So yeah. and I guess that some parents take it well, some parents don't. So mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my biggest fear was disappointing other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean like I said, I mean there really is like a you know, like, it, it is a transition, like, there's no doubt about it, and so, like, you are at least partially losing one identity and adopting a new one, and pretty consciously so, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, I think, like, we have this, like, bright line in our heads of academia versus everything else, and, like, there's a very stark line, like, I mean, even, like, you know, our podcast logo is the ivory tower and, like, you know, a rope ladder climbing down out of it. Like, you know, there's this stark notion that, like, academia is very different from everything else. Yeah, no, it's not easy. But I think that it's every process is of changing. It is hard and painful. It's not, it's, we cannot, uh, we cannot uh, lie to our listeners and say, oh, it's, you're going to just sleep one day. In academia, the next day you're going to be out of academia and you're going to wake up and feel glorious about yourself. Uh, I mean, you might feel relieved, <laughs> but um, it, it takes some time to adjust. Right. Yes. It, it really takes, but it's, right. it's, it's doable. And, and I think you might, I think that you grow as a person uh, because you need to, you know other people, you have other responsibilities, and and then you expand your knowledge as well. Because of uh, whenever you're a scientist as well, you you tend to focus on a very specific subject on a very specific pathway or whatever, and and I guess that whenever you step out there's so much more that you don't know and you have to learn but we are scientists we know how to do that so we go and learn right so yeah i mean the first thing i would say is to that is yeah there's a lot to learn but that's also true in science like literally no one scientist is going to learn it all and that is impossible true and second like you know i mean it's you know like Cliches are cliches for a reason, but humans hate change, possibly yes. nerds more than many others, and most scientists would consider themselves nerds, and change is also the only constant. And so <laughs> it's, you know, like, it's this dissonance that, you know, you have to, like, 
figure out, you know, like the, I mean, the sort of at least Buddhist way of middle way of not growing too attached to anything as much, you know, as best as you can. And then that helps you move on, like, and not being attached to outcomes or not being attached to your past. And, you know, you just like, again, not easy to achieve. Yeah, but, it's tough. Um, you know, cause like, I mean, again, like with Buddhism, like there are people who devote their entire lives to that. And, you know, I, I don't know, like they probably progress further than most of the rest of us do in that detaching path but yeah it's you know it's not an easy thing like it's just not how humans are wired but uh, i believe that it's doable and yes i guess that um i mean humans are resilient yes too like we should point this out right it's yeah uh, you know look i mean i've been through like you know some of the darkest times of my life in the last few years just you know, not because of anything other than, you know, my own poor mental health. And like, you know, I'm still here somehow. So, you know, and I'm still like, I feel like I'm climbing upwards, not downwards. And like, I'm moving in a direction that I, you know, I think is a good one for me. And I'm trying to do the best that I can at it. And, you know, it's been good. And like a lot of things have just grown up organically. Like, you know, like usually when I'm trying to force things to happen is when they don't. Yeah, oh, that's so, yeah, that's true. Um, so like everything that has come up, like you know, people like friends now send me job ads. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting, and I apply to it, and mm-hmm. you know, or like I just you know I feel strongly about something and I express it, and someone else agrees with me, and then we're working together doing a thing or something, you know. Yeah. Um. So it's all been very organic so far. It's good. Yeah. And it's, I mean, again, like some of it, you know, may translate into like another job in the world but so far most of it's been just me being yeah that seems interesting and yes i will do that because like i care about it and it seems interesting to me and i need more of that sort of thing in my life and like it's helping me build confidence and build the you know resilience muscle and build the entrepreneurial muscle and build networking you know build a new identity yeah and networking which i'm still not great at like i'm getting better but it's you know, like, if, if I make one good connection, I consider that good. Oh, yeah, that's how I am. So, um, like, I, you know, yeah, we're not like Clady who can, you know, walk into a room and know everyone in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know everybody. I just know a couple. <laughs> and maybe it takes half an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a social yeah. person. Yeah. I, I know. I'm a social butterfly. And... It's sometimes it's hard to be like that as well because everybody expects you to talk to everybody and then if you don't then you disappoint people so I'm not saying it's all sunshine I just just pointing this out um, <laughs> I was going to ask uh, you guys if you could just like if you could talk to someone, our listeners that are in the process of leaving academia and they are kind of worried about this, the identity crisis, if you could give them like an advice or something that, I guess that we talked about that the whole uh, episode, but something more related to, okay, uh, I think that you should do this, 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 and maybe you to help 
uh, okay, well, like, I'm trying to come up with, like, one good soundbite thing to tell people, but, I mean, I guess the thing I would say is, you know, be open to possibility and say yes to things that, you know, you don't necessarily feel ready for, um, and, like, do the best you can at them, because that tends to be where when you're like straddling that comfort zone like that tends to be where growth happens and growth in a new direction happens even right you're sort of being like a plant and growing towards the light hmm nice analogy i like, that. I like it um i guess that being a scientist at the bench is only one facet of your per- of you as a person Mm-hmm. and is not your own not the only thing to you so start thinking about other things that you do that make you happy and don't be afraid to make that leap and possibly disappoint people because chances are they're not going to be disappointed in you there was nobody that I've talked to personally literally nobody has been disappointed in the choices that I've made They've just wanted what is best for me and my career. And if there are any haters, well, they can step to the left. Exactly. I like that. I like the way you think, Amanda. That's great. (laughs) So you? Yeah, I guess that uh, my advice was along the lines of uh, what has been said. But um, I guess that the summary would be whenever you make the decision if you're thinking about it probably there's most likely a chance that you're not happy where you are and you need to find out where you're going to be happy and probably that will be outside academia and i know it's terrifying and there's a lot of things out there and you might feel like you're going to disappoint people you might feel that you're not good enough or that uh, you're not capable of doing things, or even you don't know what you can do, but um, just trust that do whatever makes you happy and try to see what makes you happy and walk towards this direction. And, And in the end of the day, even if there are some people that are going to be disappointed by your choices, uh, they are not, you are the one who are doing, living your life. They're not living your life for you. So just trust yourself and it's painful, but it's, it's a transition and there's light, there's sunshine outside the ivory tower. And for those of you who aren't necessarily into the language of being, quote, being happy, uh, you can go to the oatmeal and his latest comic is about this and how he, oh, it's yeah. not necessarily happy it's more he strives for satisfaction and that might be like for some people like that might be more what they are going for like and that sounds yes. better to them right it's yeah. you have to frame things just so cuz again for a long time like i was feeling like yep it's hopeless and other like i have to either be barfing rainbows or I have to be in like pit of despair. And there's no <laughs> alternative in middle way, but there is. It's just you need to evolve, you need to have the language to talk about it. 
Yeah, I guess no. that we can add that to the show notes. And, and with yes, that, no. I think that uh, we're wrapping up for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our Recovering Academic podcast. Uh, you can send us comments either through Twitter. We're all on Twitter or uh through our website or Facebook page and we will happily answer you and I guess that we'll see you next time bye bye Bye. next time bye thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license you can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower. <laughs>